Welcome to the All Things Agile podcast, your destination for tips and interviews with the leaders in the world of Agile. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast in iTunes, and please check out our sponsor, TeamAccelerator.com. And now, here's your host, Ronnie Andrews Jr. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me for another exciting episode of All Things Agile. Today, I'm joined by a special guest, Napora Coworker. She's a longtime friend and former colleague of mine. Napora is a business leader who is utilizing Agile to accelerate her organization. So first off, thank you, Napora, for joining us today. It's definitely an honor. Thank you for having me on the show. Um, can you please take a moment to tell our audience more about your background, maybe both personally and professionally? Sure. Um, so I have, uh, professionally, I'll go first. I have been um, in the healthcare IT space for about uh, nine years now, uh, exposed to all aspects or most aspects of healthcare IT from a revenue cycle, clinical, um, HIE, analytics um, perspective. So a good broad understanding of the space as it relates to the American healthcare industry. It's been an interesting journey um, through, you know, as much as everybody focuses on the actual industry and the uh, subject, the domain expertise, I feel through the nine years, more of my learning has been on the uh, talent management and process simplification side, although the domain expertise always is a great plus. Um, what do I enjoy most about my role where I am at now is the fact that I get to see folks learn something from simple processes and um, straight converse, um, direct conversations that um, help them to be better professionals at their workplace and find joy in doing the work that they do with their teammates. Uh, currently, I am uh, working at Healthport Technologies uh, as a Chief Technology Officer. I have worked uh, in the past with companies like McKesson, uh, Pfizer, NextGen, so I have a wide variety of um, backgrounds, but definitely have found my groove uh, where I am. So um, that's my professional background. Personally, I have two young kids, a uh, husband, a house, the typical um, family with a dog as well. So, you know, a standard young family mom role at home. So my goal always is how do I, if I take on a new challenge, how do I rely on the talent that I hire and work with to achieve my personal work-life balance? which is usually measured by how many times of, in a week do I have to take my laptop back home. And currently, I take my laptop home only on the weekends, which I think speaks to uh, my peers and my coworkers and the folks that work um, in our organization. So that's probably more on the personal side. I uh, love to read, love to travel, uh, love to interact and learn new things um, and love change. So change is probably the most constant thing in my life. That's about it, Ronnie. Is there anything else you were looking for? No, that's a great introduction. Thank you so much. And first, I want to really thank you for coming on the show because um, you're really our first guest that's coming on as a business leader. We've had some uh, other guests before that were sort mm -hmm. of you know the agile gurus or more like instructors and so forth. But 
really excited to have a, an actual person who is putting this in place in the field as a business leader and, and implementing Agile in their organization and being able to really to testify to the impacts of that. So with that, I'd probably like to dive into our first question, which is, as a business leader, how has the use of Agile impacted your teams? Um, I think, you know, there are quite a few impacts when you, when I thought, when I think about the question, there are so many little impacts that make a big impact. But at the end of the day, if I had to really pinpoint a couple, I would say my biggest um, satisfaction from bringing um, Agile principles to our organization is it allowed our organization to fail fast and course correct really early on. Uh, you know, we do two-week sprints, so in a couple of weeks, we usually know if something is going to work for the organization because we're able to demo it to the business. And if it doesn't, then we're able to course correct very early on in the process. So which leads to my next key point is showing business value. Uh, when I got into HealthCore, and that's, this is where probably I've, I feel um, – that Agile has come through in the most significant way and closest to the ideal Agile principles. But um, showing business value, you know, when, when I walked in, we had internal 10 stakeholders because we have a good operations aspect to our team as well as product. And, um, they, you know, they had to wait six, seven, nine months to see what came out. But as we moved to Scrum and we instilled the demo process, the stakeholders are absolutely addicted to it. You know, they wait for every Tuesday to get the demo for their um, their operation goal and objective. So they, you know, the business value. I mean, it's it just, it helps us, it helps them, it helps the organization and saves a lot of money. As a business leader, I think between the two of them, what it ultimately impacts is the cost cost and the efficiency that we're able to achieve and prove out in our organization because of uh, fail fast, course correct early, principal and agile. So, you know, those are the two biggest ones. Of course, there are quite a few little ones like the morale of the team. Once we settled down with Scrum, it was definitely difficult to get there. But once we settle down, um, the morale of the team, the motivation, the commitment, and the ownership are definitely very, very high on the radar. Sounds like little things, but ultimately, the team puts all the show together. So if they are highly motivated, then you get better results. So those are probably my three key points um, that I would point out. Oh, sure. I love that answer. And I, I really love the phrase you used that the stakeholders were addicted to the demos. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And I, I would definitely uh, agree with your experience that um, when you're able to provide those demos and be able to course correct early, it keeps you from making uh, costly mistakes later. You don't want to be six months later at the end of the release and realize that what you developed wasn't what the stakeholders really wanted. Right, absolutely. And, you know, one of the things I would like to point out is it takes time for the team and the stakeholders to get where we are. In the process, you know, many times the stakeholders won't show up for a demo, and they'll show up for the next and skip one, and then they will start complaining, well, I, that's not what I really asked for, but the demo is our way to hold our stakeholders and customers accountable to what they asked us to do. So our response would be, well, if you don't show up to validate what you needed, 
then you get what you signed up for because you're not going to go back and invest in correcting the mistakes. So you know, it, 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 it's a bi-directional um, accountability as well. The demo holds the team accountable to the stakeholders. But what I have found very interesting is that's my only forum to hold the stakeholders accountable to the team. Excellent point. Excellent point. No, I totally agree. That's that's a, a really key factor there, being able to hold each other accountable. Excellent point. Okay, well, I think that probably really dovetails well into our second question, which is what are some steps that you are currently using or in the past have used uh, to help adopt Agile practices? Um, good question, Ronnie, and I think we did a little bit of this in McKesson. I changed the um, the direction and how I wanted to go about doing this, but this, but this theme of implementation has always been let's have a grassroots uh, level movement, not a top-down level movement, but have a grassroots level movement with top support to it. Um, but a couple of, you know, key lessons that I've learned, uh, one I've done, you know, I've done this at a couple of past organizations. If I had too many external folks involved who did not understand the impacts of a good or a bad process or a lack of a process, it added a lot of noise to the organization uh, while going through this change. And, you know, one of the things I have definitely seen as we implement Scrum, we do see attrition. Um, I have seen close to 25 to 30% attrition in all the last three places that have implemented this process. So, you know, a couple of things we did. My, my functional management team and I sat down and planned for, you know, what happens if we have attrition? What is it that we need in, the, in our organization to ensure that we can take on the attrition, which is, you know, mainly knowledge redundancy. Do we have knowledge redundancy in the organization? If people were to leave because of change, will the organization, the stakeholders, and the ultimate customers suffer? So, you know, that was one question. The second was, what would it do to our morale organizationally, and what would it be as a reflection on the management team that was that was uh, relatively new to um, to health force? So, those were the three key answers that we wanted to answer so that we could deliver to the business. We wouldn't have a revenue impact to the business, but we would be able to take this organization through the change at our own pace instead of someone else's pace. So once we set goals for those, the prep time was all about getting the knowledge documented because when I walked in, there was nothing documented. And when I say documented, it's not, you know, pages and pages of uh, requirements. It's really about, hey, you know, this particular area is, is a little bit difficult to understand. Let's put it into our knowledge packet that we give to our new hires. So the first thing we built in getting ready for Agile was a new hire packet because we knew we were going to go through attrition and we wanted a good stable base to hand over to our new hires as they came in. So we implemented a new hire packet. We, uh, we planned uh, for attrition by uh, getting the knowledge into visual um, workflows. And these workflows were pasted on the wall. They were in the team environment. You know, they weren't living in a tool. They were out there in everyone's face. So people could just walk over and look at them. So that was the prep to even think about Scrum. But once we started to actually think about Scrum, uh, one of the ideas that um, I had seen being used back in my McKesson days was to put together a team of the team 
to to build it in a way that the teams hold themselves accountable to this change and they want to go through this change. So we, you know, we call our team matrix because it truly was a matrix of different roles. Um, now, one of the things we did do differently here than what I had seen done, you know, there is a big focus on no functional management or um, leadership should be in any of these meetings. Now, we have a really strong functional managers uh, team. So we, you know, there's, there's no stress between the two individual contributors and the management team. They work well. So they asked us to help out so that we could use some of our time and save them some project time in order to take this to change. So our matrix team was uh, consistent of some of the functional leaders, not all of them, uh, individual contributors from each function, and a couple of stakeholders outside of my direct organization to help them see if they're going through this change or how is it going to impact them. And the team pretty much put their own agenda together. They worked through our town halls and monthly staff meetings to get buy-in from the rest of the organization, uh, plan for tools sets, plan for uh, morale boosters, plan for coaching, which is the biggest thing in my opinion. We trained a team so that the team could start to train at a peer level to other teams. We had, um, you know, of course, formal coaching, which can never be replaced in my opinion. Um, come in. So it was, you know, it was probably a good six-month effort to transition the whole organization to Scrum. We did it uh, based on the revenue impacts that we could forecast. Because you know, when you plan for attrition, you have to make sure that the key knowledge is not lost. And if it's going to get lost, what's the impact of the business? So all in all, uh, it was it was a grassroots movement supported completely by the management team and uh, implemented by the individual contributors through the individual contributors. I believe um, it took us to stabilize maybe about six to nine months just to stabilize. We saw a very high level of attrition, uh, but we were able to plan to bring new people in and have them absorbed into the organization without any impact. It did impact our morale. Um, and I want business leaders to recognize that when they sign up for these things, we have to do morale boosters for the organization because it's hard to see your colleagues leave because they don't agree with the culture that's coming into play. So that was my, as a leader, that was my biggest struggle is to keep the motivation and morale level high through this change. Um, and we also discovered through the industry there were a couple of teams that Scrum really didn't apply to those teams because of the turnaround times that were required on those teams. So um, all in all, for six months, uh, team, the team did it. Um, all I had to really do as a business leader was to have their back and be supportive. We did all of this internally with non, none of the business stakeholders really knowing what we were doing because they were still getting their projects delivered and introduced the concepts very slowly to them. The demo being, of course, the first thing that we introduced back to them. Um, so there was a transition period. We allowed people to transition at their pace, not at our pace. Um, and I believe we came out pretty good out of the transition. And I do believe give, letting the individual contributors drive it helped that process significantly. Oh, sure. I would agree. And uh, and I like your insight, again, as the business leader regarding, for example, attrition, because that's probably something that most of us wouldn't have even considered, right? 
And, mm-hmm. and, you know, it is true that in any organization, doesn't matter what it is, um, you're going to have some individuals that, you know, embrace change and you're going to have some individuals that, that are just very resistant and they just do not want to change. And when you're trying to implement any type of process change, um, there's obviously going to be a degree of friction and, and it's important to, to be cognizant of that. So I'm glad you mentioned And playing for it. Absolutely. And, you know, as a business leader responsible for $400 million, in my case, if I hadn't planned for it uh, behind the scenes, that would have been a huge impact that the organization couldn't absorb because of their size. Another thing I would like to point out, you know, on, on, the, on that is, you know, it's not just that people don't want to change. What I saw was, you know, is um, the pace. Sometimes the pace is too fast for some people. They, you know, we've lost some really extremely talented people who had great business knowledge because they couldn't deal with the pace of the sprint. Mm-hmm. So, you know, kind of finding that balance and letting the teams come there uh, was definitely another big challenge that we had to face. That's a good point. That's a good point. Well, I tell you what, why don't we transition into our next question? It's a little bit more of a tougher one. It's definitely mm-hmm. uh, more of a challenge and, and definitely something I'm looking for uh, an answer for from a business leader, which is how are you currently or perhaps in the future uh, looking to tie in the HR component to the use of Agile? For example, what do you recommend to other business leaders to provide, say, performance reviews or rewards to encourage successful agile adoption and use? Um, So, you know, um, I have been asked this question a couple of times before. Um, In my my personal perspective, given our context and culture, it's a little bit different to performance measurement and management. And, you know, I myself have gone through a lot of performance metrics and, you know, being managed by leaders with traditional ways to do performance management versus I'm doing a little bit outside of the box. So uh, what we do, and I can only speak to what I do, and it is working pretty well in the organization, is two things. There's a team level performance, which is directly tied to the outcome of the agile Agile aspect of the process. I, you know, so I don't really say you have to be tied to a date, although dates are important, don't get me wrong. But I don't really tie it directly to their uh, run rate. It's about what outcome did you achieve at the end of the two weeks, at the end of four sprints, eight sprints, is how we measure it. And we have, we have data that we use to measure it internally. You know, we do surveys with our stakeholders. We do after-demo surveys, a specific project. Um, but it's very outcome-based. Um, not necessarily estimates and actual space, which is a little bit of a different way to look at um, Agile. And I don't, I'm sure not all business leaders will agree with me, but it works well for the team. It helps with the morale and motivation. Now, with personal performance management, so, you know, we focus on individual and team. And on the individual side, where I felt that Scrum helped the most is, you know, more than the management itself, it was the individual found it easy to break down some of the barriers that they used to find, um, like communication, like let me uh, let me cover my, uh, my basis constantly via email. 
those things, I think Scrum really challenges you to open up, break the barriers, and get into an uncomfortable zone of direct communication. So through this, while we were transitioning, a few things we did was measure our folks, not necessarily whether they're performing well or not, but measure our folks to see if they're able to get over that barrier and help them with a lot of personal coaching, outside coaching, to get over the barrier of direct communication and conflict management. So those are the two things where I have found value in implementing Scrum, and the fact that we implemented Scrum, it brought out our talented folks to be direct, respectful, um, and are ready to deal with conflict. Um, I haven't really thought of tying any direct agile results to individual performance, and I don't know if I will get there. Uh, because, in you know, in all different perspectives, because I do feel artificial data like dates and uh, run rates ultimately don't measure a talented person. It's the creativity and it's the outcome that they provided to the organization along with their commitment that measures the individual. So it's a little bit of a different answer, maybe not expected. Oh, no, sure. It's great. I, I definitely appreciate you opening up and, and explaining what you have seen and and I hope that benefits other uh, members of our audience. So thank you so much. Uh, with that, I'd like to transition into our final question, which is, what advice would you like to give to other organizations that are considering adopting Agile? Um, so the biggest one is Agile and Scrum works for any organization. You know, several times when I've been on forums, when I've um, uh, engaged in some of my peer conversations, the first thing people say, you know, you had all the right uh, stars aligned to put Scrum in. That's why you were successful. Scrum's not for me. Agile's not for me. Um, anything fast-paced is not for my organization. I really, truly, passionately believe that Agile is for anybody. And it is up to the business leader to find ways to bring um, such a wonderful bi-directional accountable process to your organization for the better of your talent. You know, at the end of the day, your talent is going to be in a better place once you have the right process. Um, and, you know, and, and I hate to call Agile as a process as well because it's a principle, it's a mindset, it's a culture. Um, it's not so much just the actual two-week sprints or the demo or the retrospective. It's how people think when they start to practice Agile. That's what I love about what this what this methodology brought to our organization. So given that, I would say be open-minded and be be ready for change. Be, you know, if the business leader is not ready for change, then there is no way you can transition into something that's so uh, intrusive to the organization, uh, creates a lot of um, noise in the interim, but knowing where you want to get to, you should be prepared mentally, organizationally, knowledge-wise to cross that barrier as a leader. Now, one of the lessons learned from my uh, past is in the first round, you know, we all read books. We all were trying to implement Agile in a very waterfall organization. Uh, we all read books, and we said, we're going to follow Agile to the nth degree, you know, the nth principle. So we started with the expectation to have an ideal implementation. 
What I've learned through taking two or three organizations through this is the goal would be to get to an ideal implementation, not to start at ideal implementation. It allows for people to uh, absorb, change, leave, come back, and embrace the growth of this methodology instead of the brute force of the methodology. So, you know, we as, as, you know, having been in product management and strategy side for a long time, I always tell the product managers, think about minimal value product instead of uh, the perfect product. I have applied that principle to the imp implementation of Agile. Minimal viable that shows the value of what we're trying, of the change itself. If you're able to provide the value to the business and to our own organizations, then take the next step. So build, use the Agile principle to implement Agile. Exactly. That would probably be my biggest uh, takeaway. That's a great point. Great point. Love that answer. Well, thank you so much, Nopora, for that great advice and insight. And thank you once again for joining us here on All Things Agile. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you for having me on the show again, and I'm glad to be here with you, Ronnie. Great job with what you've started here. Well, thank you very much to our special guest, Nupura Colwalker. And thank you, everyone, for listening to another great podcast. I look forward to seeing you again. Thank you. Thank you for listening to All Things Agile. We look forward to you subscribing to the podcast in iTunes and leaving a kind review. Thanks and God bless.